0: Good
1: save them
2: May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Psalms, chapter 42, verses 2 through 3 and 11. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me continually where is your god why you cast down o my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in god for i again shall again praise him my help and my god our next uh, second reading is from isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 through 16 Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse evil, the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose kings you are in dread will be deserted. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
0: Oh,
3: as we come to this christmas season of our 50th anniversary celebration we're presented with a a marvelous opportunity in the present to look backward and forward and by considering where we have been appraise where we are and set course to where we want to go and what better help at this festive time of year, then the turn to Charles Dickens and his enduring and thought-provoking classic, A Christmas Carol. We begin today, then Rachel will advance the theme on Christmas Eve, and John will wrap it up on the Sunday after Christmas. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Those are the attention-grabbing opening lines of A Christmas Carol. And yet as much as the book features death and highlights the effect of the social twins of ignorance and want in Victorian England, it really is a book about life and about the possibilities of redemption. And much like Wesley, Dickens was sick of professed Christians blithely going about their business, ignoring others' sufferings as if nothing was wrong, as if no lives of any value were being wasted and lost. You might say that Dickens piggybacked on Wesley's compassion for the poor as England began to industrialize seeking to awaken Christian conscience, calling for humane treatment and better opportunities for those at the margins of society. And in those days, there were many who lived on that social edge and many more who cast a blind eye in their direction. Now, Ebenezer Scrooge was one of those. It's not so much that he was an evil man as much as he was a man with a a cold heart and a calloused spirit. Who, after all, could possibly exclaim bah humbug about Christmas? If I could work my will he says, indignantly to his ever-thoughtful nephew. Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly in his heart. Imagine such a one as Ebenezer Scrooge. Refusing to make a Christmas Eve offering for the city poor and shooing away with angry words a young caroler, Scrooge starts to settle into his evening on Christmas Eve when the dead Jacob Marley appears. It's required of every man, Scrooge's dead partner utters, that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world and witness what it can now not share but might have shared on earth and turned to happiness. No amount of regret in the afterlife can make amends, Dickens is saying to us, for life's opportunities missed of friendship and love, of caring and compassion. why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor abode? Dickens writes as if he fully took to heart Jesus' words about how when you care for the least of these, you were caring for him. I'm here tonight to warn you, Marley's ghost says, that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. And with that, Dickens whisks us off into this marvelous story of Scrooge's repentance and redemption, facilitated by the ghosts of Christmas past and present and yet to come. These three ghastly Christmas Eve visitors help Scrooge to see himself honestly, regret his failings, and resolved to be the better person that he truly can be. And so too to us do we hear a message. There's a time-honored saying, I'm told. I've never said it, never heard it, but I hear it's pretty popular. And that is that the past is prologue to the present. What has gone before sets the stage or establishes the tone for the now. We see this in our own lives, I think, if we're honest with ourselves. We see it in the lives of people around us if we know them well enough. For example, the abusive parent leading to the distrustful child who then grows up and has problematic relationships with people. Or the attentive teacher leading to the excelling young adult who feels that they can take on the world with no problem at all. Now, when it's the damaging experience of our past that gets the upper hand and influences our lives beyond its time, beyond its experience. That's when we need to be concerned. And with the hope of the, with the help of the ghost of Christmas past, Dickens helps us to see that persistent damage in Scrooge. Now, there are five scenes of his past that Scrooge begrudgingly visits with the ghost, the ghost of Christmas past, that help him to understand how he has become who he is, this cold-hearted miser. Each has to do with him being neglected and uncared for. And how those experiences developed a personality in Scrooge that distanced him from other people. And sought wealth as a protector from life's uncertainties. And the more closeted within himself he grew, the less concerned for the concerns of others he became. His heart was slammed shut, nailed tight. And even as his wealth Amassed, he had no use for it for others or for himself, really. It just collected to no good at all. Miserliness really was not the issue for Scrooge. Rather, it was a deadened soul to himself and to others, from the unhealed hurts of his childhood. Lancing the wounds to help bring healing, the ghost of Christmas past awakens the soul and brings a pulse back to Scrooge's heart. Scrooge needed to reconnect to humanity with that true inner self that we all really have. By remembering how things were and how they might have been. He gets a a Christmas Eve blessing, I call it, of seeing how his life contorted from what it might have been along with an intriguing message that it need not remain that way. And by the end of the first ghost's visit, Scrooge is now open to learning and on his way towards his better self. It's as if Psalm 42 came to life for him. He started to mourn the loss of himself. He started to identify and own the pain that was a part of his life. And he started to have a flicker of hope against hope that there would actually be some reprieve For him. And so Dickens gets us to wonder, as we engage this book in light of our gospel, in light of the spirit of this season, how much is our past controlling our present emotions, our present actions? are there sorrows and and sufferings from the past are there scars and and lingering pains that that hamper our further blossoming that are thwarting our our maturing into the full person that god would have us be you would not be alone if in the privacy of your thoughts you said to me yes this is true many 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 people have their present curtailed or or impinged upon by lingering issues of their past think about it do you do you think perhaps your life is a little misdirected because of the problems of the past binding binding upon you that true self that's in there that God wants to bring forward to magnify to become more fully the you that you are Are we who we wish? Are we who we really want to be? Now, we don't need to look or act like Scrooge to need the medicine that helped him heal and renew him. We don't need any spectral visitors to awaken us to our better selves. God consistently offers us the opportunity for redemptive transformation. Each day, each moment of our day that we pay attention to the divine presence that is around us and within us and sometimes that spiritual magic happens and we pay attention to god and we give ourselves over a little bit more to god and we move a step or two or a leap Forward towards that more godly self that God wants for us. Dickens was not mistaken to place this somewhat Halloween ish story at Christmas time. Since Christmas, for many of us, offers the opportunity to see the possibilities of life. In a new light. It's called the magic of the season. And it seems to affect us all. And we get caught up in it. And all of a sudden, we're actually nice to that crumbum next to us. <laughs> we all of a sudden slow our pace down. And am a little bit more courteous. And a little bit more filled with a spirit of grace. There's a magic in the season we hear the story again and it comes alive to us about the hardships of Mary and Joseph and their travels and their travail from Nazareth to Bethlehem to somewhere down in Egypt for years Aliens and that culture, and then back. We wonder about those shepherds tending their flocks and thinking that they hear something and respond to something and discover something. And we trace the journey of the Magi over mountaintops and through snow in that time of year and across desert and cold and heat and river. To pay attention to something happening in some other religion that they think has something to say to them because they think it has something to say to the world. And we realize by the magic of the season that those angels are singing to us. This hope of the season that God is with us, that new life is possible, well, it's our hope too. This peace and joy and love of the season is meant for you and for me. Whatever the past, however long and to what degree the heart has been deadened and the soul has been disused, it matters not any longer because once we let the Bethlehem babe in our heart, a new and a glorious story starts to unfold for us. Our story of being freed from chains and shackles of past experiences and their effect. Being opened anew to the possibility of a free life in Christ. Do you hear it in the magic of the season? Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? It's the angels of God speaking to you. Put down your past. Awake to your present so you can have your abundant future. Amen.